As you dive into this teaching from High Point Church, we pray that it will help you grow in your faith as you believe in, belong to, and become more like Jesus. If these messages bless you, would you consider giving back in support of this ministry? You can give and learn more about High Point at www.highpoint.church. Oh man, come on. Stop it. It's, um, well, I, um, I, uh, I think I'm... <laughs> I think I'm going to go into the hospital more so I can get that kind of reception here. <laughs> but uh, for those that don't know and those that join us line, online, I um, recently got over COVID-19 and um, it was crazy. I struggled for about 16 days. I was in the hospital for 10 days and I got it when I was over in Romania. And so I was speaking at a pastor's conference there, came back, fortunately, so thankful to the Lord, Fortunately, I tested negative to get on the plane to get out of Romania. Can anybody say amen? <laughs> and so I got back, but then a couple days later, I obviously tested positive when I was here. And so uh, went to the hospital, the doctors, the nurses, they said that it was my great health and my vaccination that got me through. <laughs> but hold on, I'll give you the great health and I'll even give the vaccination but I couldn't do it without you. I appreciate your prayers. I appreciate your support. Um, it, just so many people reached out, it was, it was very touching. And so uh, I'm just uh, forever grateful to you, knowing that although the doctors may say, that got me through, I know each of you and the Lord did too. So I wanna just thank you for that and for your prayers. Praise the Lord, it's good. So I hate to have to admit this, but as I was in the hospital, um, you know, man, it took that to get my compassion quotient to go up. And what do I mean by that? I, as I sat there and as they flipped me around and as I tried to lay on my stomach and, and sleep that way and they're taking blood and doing this and interrupting you every two hours, I, I started having a greater appreciation and passion for all the doctors and nurses on the front lines. Can we give them a round of applause for what they've done over the course of the last two years? My compassion grew for those that were on the fourth floor at CDH with me that were in far worse condition than I was in. My compassion grew for all those who've um, struggled with this, um, for those who've lost loved ones. My compassion has been growing for the fact that so many people are in pain and difficulty and suffering even right now, for the fact that we live in a fallen world and that this is a sin-stained place. And so as my compassion um, meter began to grow and my compassion quotient began to increase, I, I'm embarrassed to say it took me to go to the hospital to do it. But that's sometimes how God works with me. I don't know if it's like you. He uses the trials, the difficulties to help us see things more clearly, sometimes stop and get our attention. So what I wanna do, you simply answer one question today. It's gonna to be a quick message. Just wanna answer one specific question. What do we need to do to increase our compassion quotient? What do we need to do to rise ourselves in our care, our love, our concern for those that are around us? That's what I've been learning. And so I'm just gonna open up my journal to you, so to speak, and share what I've been learning as I've been in the hospital and and share this passage of scripture from Ephesians chapter three that has become very meaningful to me. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and open it up to Ephesians chapter three. We're continuing in our series 
title of the message is Move with Compassion. And I wanna just do this. I wanna give you four, what I'm calling steps, to increasing your compassion quotient. And for me, these were very helpful to me. And you know, honestly, between two, four in the morning, I, I just felt like I got some words from the Lord. And so this has been a benefit to me. I hope it'll be a benefit to you. Let me pray, Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for grace. Thanks for each that is here today. Lord, you are the great physician. We look to you for healing. We depend upon you. We look to you. We love you. Would you use your word to speak to our hearts now? I pray in Jesus' name. If you agree with that prayer, say amen. Amen. First thing is this. Understand the wonder of God's plan of salvation. It's really wonderful, man. It is all about wonder. Now, Paul, in chapter three, he uses this term mystery. That's how he describes it. He uses it four times in these verses that we're going to look at today, that it is a mystery, this great mystery. Look with me at verse one. He says, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery, there it is, was made known to me by revelation, as I've written briefly. Now, remember, Paul, how did he get this mystery? Uh, It didn't come from human authors. It didn't come from human instructors, although he was trained by the best of the best. Came from Jesus himself when he knocked him over on a, made him blind on a Damascus road. He goes on to say, when you read this, you can perceive my insight, there it is, into the mystery of Christ. He uses that term again, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, so it's special to him. It has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Paul goes on to say this in verse six. This mystery is that the Gentiles, here it is, are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. We're going to get to that in a moment, but let me, for the abundance of clarity, what is the mystery? What is this mystery that Paul's writing about? God's chosen people, the Jewish nation, the Gentile people, the rest of the world. Those who know God love God. Those who don't know God don't love God. God's going to bring them together. He's going to bring two unlikely groups of people together that are racially divided, that are politically divided, that are ethnically divided. They look like, they make the Jets and the Sharks in West Side Story look like Fred and Barney Flintstone. I'm telling you, they, they, they just, they, they're, it's unbelievable what God is suggesting to do in our world with division. That's God's desire. That's God's heart. That's the mystery of the gospel. Notice the terms. Let's slow down and look what he says so that we're on the same page as he brings people together today, yesterday, and forever. Fellow heirs. That means, hey, we're going to get the same inheritance, man. That means we're going to get the same blessing and future. Members of the same body. Hey, you know what? There's not supposed to be this church for this kind of people and this church for this kind of people and that church for that kind of people. One body, not divided, together as one. That's the picture that God is painting with this three terms of togetherness. Fellow heirs, members of the same body, love this, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus. That each one of us, no matter the color of our skin, no matter what side the tracks we were born on, no matter what our W-2 says, no matter anything, that we, in this life and the next, are equal. That we, in this life and the next, our one race, the human race, with our unique differences and our unique uh, things that we can celebrate about our heritage, but that we are together as one in Christ. 
That's the message. That's the care and compassion and concern that our world needs. That how can this be? Keyword. Don't miss it. End of verse six. In your Bible circle, it's the gospel. Nothing else can do it. You can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it with my ingenuity. I can't do it with my um, persuasive skills. You can't do it with um, your argumentative skills or what you're going to write on Facebook. It's the gospel. That the gospel is going to bring people together. That's what Paul's saying. That's the mystery. It is the gospel. One of the most impactful persons I've ever met in my entire life is um, a guy by the name of John Perkins. We've had him here at our church. I've had the privilege of um, actually eating dinner at his house in Jackson, Mississippi. John Perkins, if you don't know his story, in the 70s he was beaten nearly to death by white police officers. He laid in a hospital room and something very unlikely happened to him. What happened is he laid there and he had rage and he had bitterness because of what? Because of how he grew up and what he saw white people do and what these people had just done to him as he was on his deathbed. Something overcame him. I'll never forget, I've read it in his book, but I've sat in his house and heard him describe this story. And I'm telling you, man, if you could hear it from his voice, the way it just, it utters such grace and goodness of the Lord. And he just said, he said, I'm not gonna let that same hatred and bigotry and bigotry that these people have penetrate my heart and soul. And he looked at it as the same. And the reason he came to that conclusion because there was a white man that sat there every day in the hospital room and prayed for him and didn't leave his side. And he thought if this man could do this. John Perkins has been used for the last 50 years as a racial reconciler. John Perkins has been used as an ambassador of grace. John Perkins has been recognized by four presidents for the work that he's done. I continue to pray that he'll continue to go strong. Now he's in his 90s. Would we have that same ability to be stewards of God's grace, to provide reconciliation, to provide forgiveness, to, to do everything we can? I love what he says. There's no reconciliation until you recognize the dignity of their people, until you see their view you have to enter into the pain of the people. You've got to feel their need. That's the first step in my mind to increasing our compassion quotient. Because if you're like me, at times, we can become complacent in our compassion. Can we not? We can become very complacent because of what we see and all the difficulties and all the needs. And, well, I can't do this. And what about this? And you don't understand we can become extremely complacent. That's what I've been learning and fighting off is this complacency. Second step, we'll put it up on the board, is this, to unpack my role in God's plan of salvation. Look with me at Ephesians chapter three, verse seven. And Paul says that this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. I wanna take each one of these terms and describe them to you. Here again, he's talking about the gospel. He was made a minister. It's interesting to me that he didn't say I was an apostle. Could have said that. Could have did a little bragging. Not very many apostles. An apostle is what? Somebody who actually saw the risen Christ. Again, let me remind you, he was, um, Paul was knocked off and made blind and, so that he could be used in this mystery. But he said a minister. And I wonder... I wonder if he said that to identify with you and me. 
Because in some sense, we're all ministers. As a follower of Christ, you may not think you are. I remember when I first became a Christian, if you called me a minister, that was fighting words. No thank you, don't want that, out of touch, out of date, dust that term off, that ain't me. But we are ministers. Because a minister is simply a representative of God's grace. A minister is a steward of God's grace. And that's what each of us is. We are ministers of God's grace. That's why he says, according to the gift of God's grace. Now, interestingly, as um, I've you know, studied this text and read it over and over again, I, you know, three times he uses the word grace. That's that unmerited favor. That, that man, you don't deserve this. That, that, man, you got a free gift. And, man, you're out now and you got another breath because of me, because of the grace of God, that God's grace is so good and kind. But he said he was a steward of God's grace. See that in verse two. Now he says about the gift of God's grace. Let's remember the apostle Paul, this minister. In Acts chapter seven, he put the hit on Stephen. That means he was the guy responsible for killing Stephen. In Acts chapter eight, it says that Saul, before he met Jesus, how bad was Saul? Says he was dragging Christians, going house to house. Imagine that. Small group. Hey, we got growth group tonight. Guess who showed up? Paul's there. He's pulling us out. He's dragging us off to prison. That, that's what was happening. And that was what was going on. And, and so the depths of God's grace could save a person like this. We want to talk compassion less? How about the Apostle Paul? But God did a work, and an amazing thing. And if you're sitting here today thinking to yourself, well, I got a past, I got this, I, this uh, didn't go right, and I've sacrificed something that I can't make up for, that's the least of your concern. Because the Apostle Paul is our example of a fresh start. He was a minister of God's grace. Love that. Which was given to me by the working of his power. So he just acknowledges, hey, I, I couldn't do this on my own. This is Jesus working in me that God's gift and his power. I don't know, I'm thinking so silly like this. It's like, I think about how to describe this, God's power, and I think about, I don't know, maybe you and your friend and three of you, you know, you get invited over to your friends to move, a, move them out of their apartment or move them into their apartment and you gotta move the couch and ever been in that place, you're looking at this couch, you're like, that ain't fitting in the elevator. <laughs> that means we're going up four flights of steps and if you're like me, you're just happy that you got one friend on one side and you got the other friend on the other side and as you start moving up the narrow stairway and you're, well, I got the middle. I'll support it. And then as you kind of go through and up and down and around and you start realizing, hey, I'm not really doing anything here. <laughs> These guys got it. I'm just really happy and I'm just, I'm just window dressing, man. That's all I am. And that's what it looks like to work in God's power. That he does the heavy lifting. I'm not saying that there's no weight. I'm not saying that there's no burden. I'm not saying there's no sacrifice, but have you experienced with me God lifting the heavy weight? And he's the one that can get you through. And he's the one that what? In the midst of our desire to raise our compassion for the people around us when we don't know what to do and how to help, man, I just got my hands on the couch and, and I'm gonna let him do the lifting and I'm gonna let him lead me and guide me. That's what I see in Ephesians chapter three, verse seven. You know, it wasn't that long ago um, that I was speaking here in Naperville, and the interesting thing was there, well, there was a woman who waited to talk to me after the 11 o'clock service, and she actually goes to our um, Wheaton location. 
And so she wanted to come here so she could talk to me. She met me way in the back over here and she started telling me this story. She shared with me about how she had seen a woman at a bus stop and something compelled her, the spirit inside her. You ever had that where it's like, I gotta stop and talk to this lady. I gotta pray for this person. And I, I don't know, I just need to do it. And so she admitted to me that she didn't do it. She disobeyed it, the spirit, and, and she didn't, but then she went back. Well, fast forward, I mean, she started a relationship with this woman, finds out she's pregnant. She becomes friends with her. Next thing you know, she actually gets invited into the delivery room and helps you know, to deliver the baby because the woman doesn't have anyone else. And fast forward in the story, a lot of complications, DCFS, as they begin to build this relationship, DCFS says that, well, you know what? We need somebody to foster, and they ask her to foster the child. She's all, you know, I don't know if I can do that. I, I didn't sign up for this. And, and so she didn't do it, but then her 24-year-old daughter, can you believe this? Steps up and says, I'll do it. I mean, I met all three of them right here. I met the two girls, the, the woman and, and the baby, and, and, and she's looking to adopt her. He said all that to say this. Don't ever ignore the prompting of the Spirit. Don't ever ignore what God may want to do. Don't ever ignore that what? That we as a body can come together and that we can support each other and help each other. That what? That our role in the sanctification process, that, that we could care for the people around us. That we could show the love and support of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's so important for us to unpack our role in what God's plan of salvation is. And too often, I think what can happen is we can be lured to sleep by the needs of this world and, and our inability to meet them. And, and we can experience complacency when it comes to caring. As a follower of Christ, I, I know it, I, I feel it, I, I understand it. And third step, good stuff so far? Unleash my gifts and abilities to make God's plan of salvation known. God's given you gifts, God's given you abilities, spiritual gifts, natural abilities that he wants us to use for his glory and not ours. Look with me at Ephesians chapter three, verse eight, and Paul talks a little bit about this. He says, to me though, I am the very least of the saints. This grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And so when he says he's the least of the saints, we see him use that term. He, he oftentimes describes himself as, man, I'm the lowest of low, and I'm the worst of the worst. And so you think to yourself, well, has he got a self-esteem problem or what? Because that was what we'd be saying here. He's got a pretty low self-esteem. I don't think he's got a self-esteem problem. I think he's rightfully assessed who he is in light of who he was. I think he's rightfully assessed who he is in light of his indwelling sin nature. I think each of us should rightfully assess and have a proper assessment of who we are in our esteem. Paul's not esteeming himself for who he is apart from Christ. Catch that? Paul's esteeming himself for who he is in Christ. That's the key that we would think highly of ourselves, not because what? Because we love ourselves, or we think this, or we think that, but because Christ loved us, the hope and glory, and he's given us a fresh start, and that our esteem can be built not in what we've done wrong or in the past that we've had, but in who Jesus is and what he does. What does God ask him to do? Well, preach to the Gentiles. That's the calling, and so he's going to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And 
That word, if you were to double click on it, it literally means to share the good news. It's to share the gospel. And so I think in a message like this, when we're thinking about wiping people's noses, and I mean that in a good way, and helping people get over some sickness, and coming, you know, delivering some chicken soup, and helping people that are going through difficulties, and coming alongside people like so much is happening in all of our care centers. Can we just give it up for what the Lord is doing through our care centers, meeting needs throughout the suburbs of Chicago? But it's not enough to meet the need. It's not enough just to meet the need. I'm not saying immediately and just you know, throw the track on them, but I'm just saying the preaching of the gospel that we would care and that we would share, that we would be in so in tune with the spirit to know when the God is prompting us to speak because people won't, the gospel is a verbal transaction that people need to hear the truth about who Jesus is. That's what God was calling Paul to do. He wasn't saying, Hey, just get the Jews together and get the Greeks together and put these guys together and let's have a happy party together. No, he's saying you got to share the good news of the gospel that we are one, that we are unified the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now, as I give you this message today and think through all the things that I've even experienced, I think if I'm really honest, our calling can fade. And I've certainly experienced that in my life. I, you know, it's funny, you, you just think things through and, and there's certain red hot seasons and there's certain times, man, we're just like, Man, I don't know which direction I'm going. And so maybe you're in that place right now. Maybe you've been there. If you haven't, it's coming. Our calling can fade as our compassion can become very low. And we can forget what we've been called to do. And God's given what? He gave Paul a unique calling. Catch that. He told him what to do and who to do it with. I believe he does the same with you. What to do and who to do it with. And I'm not saying that you got to work for the church. I'm just saying he's given us a calling. And at times, our compassion can fade. What do I do when that happens to me? Well, I've got um, three go-to passages. And I've been reflecting on them a little bit this week. And the three go-to passages are from Romans chapter 10. It's from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And it's from Titus chapter 2. And so these are the things that help recharge my compassion level to get me back in line with what my calling is. Let me give them to you briefly. It's from Romans chapter 10. It's, never forget when I read this the first time. And so this is really has to do with my motivation. If I can open up my heart to you, uh, this is the motivation that I have. I'll never forget this. How will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him, Jesus, whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? How will my friends know? How will the circle of influence that God has given me with family and friends and workplace, how will people know if I don't say anything? This is the reminder to me that God's given me a voice. And he's given me a voice to share the motivation that if I don't say anything, I, I don't know who will. I'm not saying it depends on me, but I'm just saying like this. I'll never forget the dagger to the heart when I first read this from Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. Second scripture, to do what? Just to recalibrate the compassion in my own heart. Second Corinthians chapter five. If 
Romans chapter 10 for me is my motivation, then this is my mission. It says this, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entering the message of reconciliation. So what is the mission that I've been given? I've been given a message of reconciliation. I've been given the ministry of reconciliation. That word literally means, if you double click on it, it means to change from the inside out. Catch this, that God wants to partner with us to change humanity. That God wants to partner with us to change the world. That God wants to partner with us to change our communities. That God wants to partner with us in the church that we could see new life. I mean, that's what we see. Weren't those baptisms just awesome, that video we just watched? I mean, that's what we're going for. The ministry of reconciliation, that God can change people. And oftentimes, it doesn't always begin with the word of truth. It begins with the word of compassion and a word of care. Over the fence with the neighbor, man, that you just check in. It, that, 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 those are the things that can oftentimes make the greatest impact. Third one, I'll just give it to you quickly. It's from Titus chapter two. And so if Romans chapter 10 is, I don't know, my motivation, and I don't know, second Corinthians chapter five, is my mission. This for sure is my ministry. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. There's so much I could say there. All people, not just one kind. Remember the message, the mystery. Paul's bringing everybody together. That person you may not like at work, that person over here, that person that's different. Paul's like, hey, bringing them all together under the head of compassion. That's what we're doing. That's what we're up to. That's what High Point's all about. And then he says, training us to renounce ungodliness. Now, please don't miss it. Christians have difficulty with this. I'm going to slow down, and I want you to understand what I'm saying. We focused on grace today. I've been thinking a lot about it. But most Christians understand that grace is what saves them. Everybody understand that? It's by grace that I saved, not through works. But then the complication comes is that then they begin to try to change themselves, and what happens? It becomes about works. That's the difficulty and the battle in the Christian life. And so what this passage is teaching, it is the grace of God that brings salvation. God's grace saves, and God's grace sanctifies. God's grace is what trains us. God's mercy is what trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-control. Man, you can't muster it up. What's the message that I hope that I'd be known for here? Well, I'm certainly an evangelist at heart. I think if you've come to our church for any length of time, you know that. But it's that the grace of God, it not only saves us, but it sanctifies us. Amen? God's grace and his goodness that, that we would have more patience with one another that we would have more love for one another. Lastly, untap your unique purpose in God's plan of salvation. Ephesians chapter three, we're talking about increasing our compassion quotient. Verse 11, Paul says, this was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. If we're gonna untap our potential, if we're gonna untap our gifting, 
if we're gonna tap our abilities, then we gotta understand something. Man, this is done and finished. Are you hearing me? That Jesus did it all. That it's finished, it's over. We don't have any loose ends to tie up. You and I, we're not gonna get anything done like Jesus Christ finished it all. Amen? He's the one. He's the one that finished it, man. I love that. Realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then the next phrase, and we can be confident. Please walk out of here today. Confident. Confident in what? Confident in the truth that you can be a vessel of God's goodness, a stewardship of God's grace, that God's going to put people in front of you and that you can be confident as you care for them and share that God will do something good with it and that we would not back away. I often say, I know, you can't meet every need, but dang it, which need are you meeting? When are you stopping? When are you like that woman at the bus stopping? When do you go back? When are you going to pray? Are we so quick to just move on? Man, I wish I didn't have to go into a hospital to just slow down. And now I'm walking on the prairie path and I'm just walking and you know, exercise. I'm like, exercising is walking? Like, when did that come true in my life? And I'm saying hi to everybody and I'm talking to everybody and people are looking at me and sometimes we just gotta slow down. And we gotta recognize that we can have confidence and boldness that what we're doing can make an impact through faith in him. That confidence, that God's got this. And then Paul interestingly closes with this. As we slide into home, he says, I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. Now think about that sentence for a moment. Bible students here, Paul's sitting in prison. Not sure if we emphasize that. Remember, he's in prison. You know, ball and chain. And he's suffering. And then he says, my suffering is for your glory. Well, what's he mean by that? Well, as we unpack our calling and what God is asking us to do, the suffering which others endure actually grows us. Paul's saying this. He's saying, man, I am suffering and it's for your growth. Is that an interesting thought? that we can grow, you and I can grow through other people's suffering, through what they've gone through, that that can be used to grow us, that other's suffering. That's what Paul's getting at when he says it's for your glory. As I sat in that hospital room, I have to be honest, at night it was probably the worst, and man, this thing is just relentless. Like, I, you know, I, I kind of minimized it and the breathing, and I couldn't help but think about our Savior. And I couldn't help but think about him taking his last few breaths on the cross. And I couldn't help but think about him. Please, there's no, you know, I'm trying to make a comparison here, but as I was kind of gasping a bit and trying to figure it out, and I'm just like, like he did all that for us. Like suffocation is what happens when you get crucified. That you're, there's an inability to take air in. And our Savior literally suffocated to death on our behalf. And, and so through his pain, we've been strengthened. And as I sat there and thought about this, and 
was breathing myself, I thought, in Jesus' greatest moment of hardship and pain and difficulty, that was when his compassion quotient was the highest. Are you catching this? That that's what, I mean, at the biggest place of pain and uncertainty, as he swallowed death, his compassion meter was at an all-time high. I wouldn't trade what happened to me over the course of the last month. I wouldn't do it at all. I, I don't wish it on anyone. But I think there's times when our compassion has gotten to the point where it's just too low and, and God can do some things to grow us. And so I'm just going to simply end with this. I, I would ask that these are four words that, I don't know, I don't, you know, I don't want to over-spiritualize, but as I was sitting there, these are the four words that came to me and just, you know, write them down, you know. And, and maybe they'll be helpful to you. So let me go ahead and give them to you. First one is this. And this is my calling for us as we close this message. Proximity. That we would have a proximity to hurting people. Remember that word just came into my mind. I'm just sitting there and, and I want to have proximity like Jesus did. It says when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. We can't separate ourselves from the difficulties that people are facing. We can't ignore it. Second word I believe God gave me is this, a peculiarity. And I think that's what it is. I think it's peculiar for people to help in our day and age. Anybody agree with me? It's just like, you know, it's, it's just not as common. I mean, it, like it's, there's a peculiarity that I'm going to slow down, that I'm going to stop, that I'm going to recognize. And I think it's peculiar because we as Christians, we don't know what to do. We don't always know what to say. We often put our foot in our mouth. But I would just like to encourage you with this verse because the disciples, they didn't know what to do. They didn't know what to say, but they had the answer. Peter said, I have no silver, I got no gold. Hey, I can't help you out here, I can't give you this, but in the name of Jesus Christ in Nazareth, rise and walk. We have the power of the Holy Spirit, amen? And so a third word is this, it's a perplexity. And I'm perplexed often that, that I can't really do this in my own strength. I can't do this for myself. I, some of us were wrestling with some stuff at home with some family and man, I, I don't know what to do. And I, I don't know why it's like this. And I just have to remind myself that Jesus says he's the vine and you and I are the branches. And if we abide in him by continually making our home in him, no matter what's going on, that that we'll bear much fruit so that we would take that step of faith and respond as God desires. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And lastly, four words that I believe God's given to me. Propensity. I want to do it over and over again. I don't want to lay down. Man, this is my life's calling. I just want to keep giving it, man. I want to just keep growing. I want to just keep helping. I want to just keep moving. I want to see this with all of our locations. I want to see all of our people that we would have a heart of compassion that would be known for in our day that 
that we want to help people who are in need because we have the answer. We have the solution. That we would be like Jesus because he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So I'm just going to ask you to simply stand with me in this moment if you're able. And I'd like to make this our prayer as we close today. And so I'm asking that you would personalize this message and that we together collectively as a church family and a church body would say we want to raise the compassion and care quotient in our own individual lives, in our own individual families. But we can make the choice together as we stand in unity, but we have to do it individually. So make this your prayer. God, help me to understand the wonder of your salvation, Lord. I just want to understand the mystery of your desire to bring people together. God, that you would use me as a conduit of your grace to to be used in that mission that it started so long ago and it's never ending, Lord, that you desire to bring us together. And God, help me. Help me unpack my role in that wonder, in your plan. Even as I leave here today and As I go to my workplaces, I'm with my family. Lord, help me to unpack the way you want me, the role that you desire me to play. And God, help me. Help me to unleash all my gifts, all my abilities, Lord. Let me not use them for my own purposes, for your greater purposes, for your greater calling, for your greater plans, that I would fulfill the gospel, Lord, that I would look at myself as a minister of God's grace, no matter what my job title says, no matter where I go to work, no matter where I find myself and God help me to untap my unique purpose and calling as I fulfill your plan for my life. Father, I pray in Jesus name. Amen.